0: Okay, so let's begin. So this is our class this afternoon. Our class is on baptism and confirmation. These two sacraments, they are what we call the sacrament of initiation. What does initiation mean? You are initiated into the Christian world where we welcome members of the Christian community into the life of Christ and give us purpose and sense of belonging into our true spiritual families. Actually, there are three sacraments of initiation. We have baptism, and then confirmation, and then the sacrament of the Eucharist. Followers of Jesus, they were baptized, confirmed, and they received the sacrament of Holy Eucharist, all at the same time. Now, let's go to the institution of baptism. So the institution of baptism took place in several steps. Um, Before ascending to heaven, our Lord told the apostles, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So ever since Pentecost, this command has been faithfully followed and it, and it signaled what continues to be the primary objective of evangelization, which is to baptize um, all people. So first, what is the first step? The matter of the baptism. We see that the matter used in order to baptize is water. So we see a lot of it when our Lord was baptized in the river Jordan by St. John the Baptist. I suppose our Lord was immersed fully into the river for his baptism. And here we have um, this quote from St. Matthew. And Jesus being baptized, forthwith came out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Necessity, you have to be baptized. We read that in John chapter 3, verse 2. And then the effectiveness of baptism comes from the Passion of Christ because in baptism we receive um, what they say, healing, the, the baptism of healing. So it derives its effectiveness from the Passion of Christ. Healing in the sense that we are cleansed of all our sins. Uh, which came from our first parents, Adam and Eve. And we are healed because our Lord chose to go through the passion uh, of the cross. He even died on the cross. So that is where the gift of healing from baptism comes from. What are the effects of baptism? So the healing effect referred to the pardon of sins as taught by St. Peter. And he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this forgiveness includes original sin, and in adults, all personal sins, from birth up to the point when you are baptized. So in addition, all temporal and eternal punishment is remitted. However, as sons and daughters of of our Lord, God confers on the baptized sanctifying, sanctifying grace, the theological and moral virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So baptism also seals... The Christian with the indelible spiritual mark. So their elevating effect of baptism, I suppose, is it helps us to sanctify ourselves. It gives us the sanctifying grace so that we can strive to live holy lives. And then it leaves a spiritual mark in our souls that we belong to Christ. So no sin can erase this mark, even if sin prevents baptism from bearing the fruits of salvation. Baptism is given once for all, and it cannot be repeated. So since we were baptized in the same spirit into one body and incorporated into Christ, which means at the same time that we are incorporated into the church, And because of that, we are linked to all Christians, including those who are not in full communion with the Catholic Church. So all Christians, though everybody who believes in our Lord Jesus Christ, even though they are not Roman Catholics, we share a a link with all of them because of the fact that we are all Christians. are also bestowed the priesthood of the faithful, the common priesthood of the faithful, where we are also called to be like a priest when we profess before men the faith that we have received from God through the church and participate in the apostolic and missionary activity of the people of God. Of course, we place their common priesthood of the faithful. Um, We serve as good examples of what a daughter of, of Christ is to the people around us where we are. So now we go to the necessity of baptism. So the church says that baptism is absolutely necessary for the salvation of men. In the New Testament, we read, In Christ there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we may be saved. And since being baptized in Christ means being clothed in Christ, we can grasp the full force of Jesus' words when he says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So I suppose these words from our Lord, um, ring familiar to our ears because we have heard it in the Gospels. So this is from St. Mark, no, chapter 16. So this is the source of the church's faith regarding the necessity of baptism for salvation. So it is our Lord himself who has uttered these words. No? He who believes and is baptized will be saved He who does not believe will be condemned. So the church says that baptism is necessary for salvation for those to whom the gospel has been proclaimed and who have had the possibility of asking for this sacrament. So the church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal beatitude. That is why she takes care not to neglect not to neglect the mission she has received from the Lord to see that all who can be baptized are reborn of water and the spirit. God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism but God himself is not bound by his sacraments. So there are in practice special situations in which the principal, principal fruits of baptism can be obtained without the intervention of the sacrament. So here we have here baptism of blood and baptism of desire. The church has always held the firm conviction that those who suffer death for the sake of the faith without having received baptism are baptized by their death for and with Christ. So what is an example of baptism of blood? The killing of all the innocent children. The holy innocence day. So all of these children, well, children, I think, what, seven years below, were ordered killed by Pharaoh in order to make sure that uh, the king of men will not live and will not challenge the power of the Pharaoh. So similarly, the church teaches that every man who is ignorant of the gospel of Christ and of his church, but seeks the truth and does the will of God, in accordance with his understanding of it, can be saved. It may be supposed that such persons would have desired baptism explicitly if they had known of its necessity. So this is the baptism of desire. Baptism of desire may be for the people in China um, who have heard of our Lord but have no way of asking for the sacrament of baptism because they are very far away from where it is available. So there is in them that baptism of desire. So the situation of baptism by blood and baptism by desire do not cover the case of children who die before baptism. So the church can only entrust them to the mercy of God as she does in her funeral rites for them. Because indeed, the great mercy of God who desires that all men should be saved allows us to hope that there is a way of salvation for children who have died without baptism. Maybe they were also baptized with they also received the baptism of blood for those children who were aborted maybe or those children who were who died because of miscarriage so they did not receive the sacrament of baptism nor did they have the chance to receive it so will we say that they will they do not have any more any chance to go to heaven. We are saying that we do not know, but we trust that in God's mercy there he might have made a way for them to go to heaven also without receiving the sacrament of baptism. So now we go to how is uh, baptism celebrated. So the rites of reception have the purpose of carefully discerning the will of the candidates or of the parents to receive the sacrament and to take on its consequences. So This is followed by readings from the scripture that illustrates the baptismal mystery and are commented on in the homily. And then we begin the sacramental phase of the rite of baptism through the bathing with water, in the strength of the word. So whether done by immersion or by pouring, care should be taken that the water runs over the head, thus signifying the real washing of the soul. And this is the valid matter for this sacrament, water. So as the minister pours the water three times over the head of the candidate, or submerges the person, he pronounces the words, for example, Karen, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So that is the formula for baptism. And it's good that we remember it. It's very simple, because we might be called upon to administer baptism in an emergency to... A young child or in, well, maybe in an accident, you need water and you have to pronounce the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then we go to the post baptismal rite. So the head of the candidate is anointed with sacred chrism, which signifies the gift of the Holy Spirit received by the newly baptized and the sharing in the common priesthood. And it also is a reminder of the future anointing that will take place in confirmation. A white garment is usually worn as an exhortation to conserve one's baptismal innocence and as a symbol of the new life that has been received by the person. There is also a candle that is lit from the Easter candle and given to the newly baptized. This symbolizes the light of Christ and reminds them to live as children of the light. So the rite of Epheta, on the ears and mouth of the newly baptized, this I'm not very sure of, signifies the attitude of listening to and proclaiming the word of God. Finally, we recite the Our Father before the altar as this expresses the baptized person's new condition as a child of God. So who administers minister and subject? So the ordinary ministers of the sacrament of baptism could be the bishop, priest, or deacon. The deacons are one level below a priest. And then, however, in case of necessity or an emergency, any man or woman can baptize even if that person is not a Christian, as long as they intend to do what the church does when she baptizes. So baptism is intended for all men and women who have not yet received it. So the qualities necessary in the candidate depend upon whether they are children or adults. So a child who has not yet reached the age of reason should be baptized during the first days of life, as soon as its health and that of the mother permit. So to act otherwise, using a strong expression from St. Maria is to offend seriously against justice and against charity. So, baptism, the gateway, is the gateway to the life of grace, is an absolutely gratuitous gift. For it to be valid, all that is needed is that it should not be rejected. So, there are certain limits regarding the practice of baptism of children. It is not um, allowed or it is illicit if it is done without the consent of the parents or without a sufficient guarantee that the child will be brought up a Catholic. So this is why godparents are needed. They are chosen for their exemplary life. So adult candidates are prepared through the catechumenate. And it should be structured according to local practice with a view to the candidate receiving the sacraments of baptism confirmation, and first Holy Communion at the same time. So this is for adult candidates. They receive the sacraments of initiation all at the same time. Baptism and then confirmation and then Holy Communion. So this period of preparation seeks to foster the person's desire for grace, which includes the intention of receiving the sacrament and which is a condition for its validity. So candidates are also given doctrinal instruction which step by step seeks to strengthen in them the supernatural virtue of faith and a true conversion of heart which may demand radical changes in their their life. So now we go already to the institution of the Sacrament of Confirmation. So I will read several passages from the scriptures which illustrate the biblical and historical foundations of the the Sacrament of Confirmation. So in the Old Testament, the prophecies about the Messiah had announced that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. So we read several passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So this is from Isaiah. No? This was from the Old Testament. So the same spirit poured out on the apostles in Jerusalem. Is through them communicated to the baptized by the laying on of hands and prayer. The laying of the hands bear witness to the unity of the rite of the three sacraments of initiation conferred during the Easter celebration presided over by the bishop in the cathedral. So when Christianity began to spread outside the cities and the baptism of Infants became generalized. It was no longer possible to follow this early practice of administering all three sacraments of initiation, baptism, uh, confirmation, and the Holy Eucharist, all together. So, what are these Eastern churches? Example is uh, the Greek Orthodox, Orthodox Church or the church in Armenia, or in, uh, in Russia. So Eastern Christianity gave a growing importance to the anointing of various parts of the body with the holy myron, the holy oil, consecrated by the bishop. So while in the Latin church, the laying on of hands became a general one. For over all the candidates, with the forehead of each being anointed with oil. So I suppose for the Roman Catholic Church, the ordinary minister is the bishop because it helps us visualize, you know, um, the Holy Spirit proceeding from our Lord during the Pentecost to the 12 apostles who were the first bishops, and those bishops um, incarnated new bishops to take their place, and then the line of succession of one bishop to another, and that is why the ordinary minister of the sacrament of confirmation for us is the bishop. So the chrism, uh, which is a mixture mixture of oil and balsam, is consecrated by the bishop or patriarch and only by him during the Christmas Mass. So when is the Christmas Mass? I think this is celebrated during Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday. So they have the ceremony when all the priests gather with the bishop to bless the oil that will be used for the rest of the year for the confirmation of adults. Anointing with holy oil of a person being confirmed is a sign of his or her consecration. So this chrism oil consecrated by the bishop and only by him during chrism mass. When you are anointed, um, the person shares more completely in the mission of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So confirmation has an intrinsic unity with baptism, even though two separate liturgical ceremonies may be involved. It completes the baptismal patrimony of the candidate with the supernatural gifts characteristic of Christian maturity. So like baptism, confirmation is given only once because it imprints on the soul also an indelible spiritual mark which is the sign that Jesus Christ has marked a Christian with the seal of his spirit by clothing him with his power from on high so that he may be his witness in the world. So through confirmation, Christians receive in special abundance the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They become more closely bound to the church, and hence they are more strictly obliged to spread the faith by word and deed. We receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit during the Sacrament of Confirmation. And what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? The gift of wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, Piety and fear of the Lord. So, who are the ministers? So, we said before that the minister of these sacraments, of this sacrament, is only the bishop, as successors of the apostles, who are the original ministers of confirmation. In the Latin rite, the ordinary minister is exclusively the bishop. A priest may confirm validly only in specific cases, like during the baptism of adults, wherein all the three sacraments are given, altogether, when somebody is received into the Catholic Church, and during danger of death or when a priest has received special faculties from the bishop. In the Eastern Church, not only the bishop but also the priest is an ordinary minister. But the priest must always use chrism consecrated by the patriarch or bishop. Confirmation is meant for all Christians as a sacrament of initiation. So to receive the sacrament, a person needs previous instruction, a true intention, and should be in the state of grace. Um, It is conferred upon the candidate when he has reached the age of reason. So the specific age will depend on local practice, which should respect the character of initiation that confirmation has. So to receive this sacrament, a person needs, as we have said, instruction, a true intention, and should they should be in the state of grace. Mm-hmm.